Let's get to our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. Yesterday I was uh, running over here at the church uh, around the traffic circle. And, uh, you know, we've been in this building for over 10 years. And I just discovered yesterday, uh, something yesterday, that you can start over here, run around. Now, with this parking lot over here, you run the perimeter of the parking lot, go halfway up the the, uh, parkway, cut across, come back down, end up over there. It's one mile. Uh, Who would have known? Except for those of you who have been doing it for 10 years. So... But I was running around yesterday a couple, a few times actually, and, and uh, I, I, I was just praying for this morning, praying for um, my family. I was, I was actually running, listening to worship music, and uh, while I was running, I, I just believe that God put something on my heart that I want to share with you, and I actually put it on social media last night. You know, we are, we are so inundated right now with what's going on in, in our country with the election and... and uh, my goodness, last weekend I think I had just had enough. It like put me over the edge. And, uh, but, but I believe that, that God is, is using this election right now as a mirror to reveal to us who we have become as a nation. I really truly believe that. That God's using this and he's saying, look, at, look, at, look in the mirror right now. This is, what, this is who you have become as a nation. And I believe he's using this crazy time that we're in to pursue us with his love. And to draw us back to his heart. And, to, and, for, and to, to make us desperate once again for Jesus. I truly believe that that's what's going on in our country. To drive us to our knees and to call us to repentance. Now, I want to read to you one of, my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. That really kind of ties into what I just said a moment ago. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus is, is teaching and I love how it begins, it just sets the stage for what's going on. And I want you in your mind to picture yourself just sitting and, and, and listening to Jesus teach. It says the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him. I love that. Tax collectors and sinners drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbled. They, were, they grumbled throughout the whole Bible. And they just said, this man receives sinners and he actually eats with them. So Luke starts off, he just starts just basically painting a picture for us of who's in the crowd as Jesus is, is teaching. And, and he's teaching, he's got tax collectors who are considered to be the irreligious, who are the, the, the unclean by the Jewish religious standards of the day. And then the Bible says that there were just around him men and women, could have been some children. They were just straight up sinners. And they would gather to where Jesus was teaching. It didn't matter what town he was in, didn't matter what region he was in. When Jesus spoke, sinners were drawn to him. And this was always, just always graded on the religious of the day. They just couldn't get it. They could not believe that Jesus, who was a rabbi and a religious teacher, who this guy associated himself with sinners, he actually ate with them. So with everyone listening, here's what Jesus says. The Bible says he told them a parable. He says, what what man of you, remember who's in the crowd now, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven 
over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, maybe more than any other place in Scripture, Jesus expresses through the story the value that God places on the lives of every person who lives. Every person who has ever lived, God places tremendous value on their lives. And throughout the scriptures, God calls himself, as you know, he calls himself a shepherd, the good shepherd. And he refers to us as his followers as sheep, sheep who are part of his flock. And in this story, Jesus gives us a picture of how God views lost sheep, lost people, people who have, have never put, who have never... Uh, uh, understood that they've been separated from, from, from God because of their sin. People who have never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for forgiveness of sin. People who will, who will ultimately end up in a very real place called hell because they've never received God's free gift of salvation by placing their faith and their trust in him alone to be their personal Lord and Savior. And he asks a question to challenge the religious leaders who are listening to him at this moment. He says, which one of you if you had a hundred sheep and, in, and one of them strayed away from the flock, would leave the 99 and go out and search for the one that was lost until you found it. Which one of you would do that? Now, knowing that the Pharisees would never do something like that, Jesus then says, and when you found that lost sheep, you would put that sheep over your shoulders and then you would call all of your friends and, and your neighbors together to celebrate because you had, you had found that one lost sheep that had strayed away from the rest of the flock. And then in what may have been a little sarcastic dig at the Pharisees and the teachers of Jewish law, he says this. He says, in the same way, heaven will actually be happier when one lost sinner repents and returns to God than the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, what amazing news for the sinners and the lost people that were sitting listening to Jesus on that day. Think about that for a moment. And think of how hopeless the Pharisees made them feel. I mean, for just day after day after day after day, the Pharisees made these people just feel like they were just trash, like they were just worthless. Every single day. Never could measure up. And yet here, Jesus is speaking and pouring words over them and letting them know that God the Father has placed a great value on seeking after lost people. He's not diminishing the value of, 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 of the fact that, that the, 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 there's 99 others in the flock, but he's letting those who were lost in that day who were listening to him, he was letting them know that they had tremendous value in God's eyes. So much so that Matthew's account of this very same story says in Matthew 18, 14, so it is not the will of the Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. In other words, if you are here this morning in this crowd and you are lost, this is the best news that you will ever hear. God the Father loves you so much and he places such a great value on your life that he is pursuing you right now at this very moment with an offer of grace and of forgiveness and of a new life and of a fresh start and of eternity in heaven. And it is not his will. And the Bible says it is not his will that anyone die without having an opportunity to place their personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. It's not his will. 
Now you may feel like you are too lost to be found here today. You may feel like, like your sin is so deeply ingrained into your life that there's absolutely no hope for you. Listen, if that's how you feel, you are the reason Jesus told this story. There is no sheep that is too lost to be found. There is no sin that is more powerful than God's ability to forgive. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done. You are never too lost to be found. The shepherd, the good shepherd, is searching for you today. You may be, listen, you may be knee-deep in sin. The shepherd has left the 99 and he's searching for you. You may be here today and you may be an unmarried parent and all you have felt from the world around you is just shame and condemnation. The shepherd is searching for you. You may be in this crowd here today and you may, you may be struggling with something like homosexuality and you feel like God has turned his back on you. Listen, the good shepherd is searching for you today. You may have recently gone through a divorce and you feel like the religious crowd, the church crowd that you grew up with, all they looked at you is with condemnation. Maybe they've turned their back on you. Listen, God has not turned his back on you. He's left the flock to find you. You may be an agnostic. You feel like God's so far away from you and so disconnected from you that there is no way that he ever wants to have any kind of personal relationship with you. He's just up there, distant away from you. You may be an atheist here today. To you, Jesus is just a good man that lived 2,000 years ago, but you're here today. How is that? How is it that you're an atheist or an agnostic and yet you're finding yourself here at Westridge Church here today? It's because the good shepherd has been pursuing you. And you are never too lost to be found. If you don't believe me, I want you to check out Russell's story for just a moment. Uh, my name is Russell. Um, I'm a teacher and a running coach. I'm almost 40 years old. And until I was 38, uh, I was an agnostic or an atheist or someone who was committed to disproving or stubbornly refusing to believe that there is a God. To me, um, believing in Jesus as a great teacher or a great philosopher was, was, was right on, but you know, burning bushes don't speak and uh, men don't walk on water and I could never take the leap of faith to believe any of that. I was always a very proud person that I could deal with any kind of problem in my life, that anything the world threw at me, I could, I could handle on my own. But through conversations with people that God was putting in my life, and through many things that were happening in my life, uh, things started to change. With uh, a family that didn't see me very much, kids who needed more than just an English teacher who graded papers, or a coach who just knew about paces and miles and, and winning races, um, I felt this growing presence in my life. I felt this um, almost like a weight in my life. It was growing because I was continuing to do what I'd always done in my life, and that is try to handle everything on my own. Right before I went for a run one Sunday morning, I just gave up and, and got on my knees, and for the first time in my life as a 38-year-old, I I prayed to God that he would forgive me, that he would, that he would help me, that I couldn't do it on my own anymore, and that I needed, I needed him 
It's the first time I had ever actually tried to speak to God. And I didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't know how prayer worked. And I felt better. I felt lighter. I felt renewed. But I didn't know what it all meant. I didn't know what was happening. But what was happening in my life for the first time was something much greater than any of that. I was beginning to trust God. And God, who had pursued me my entire life, he didn't take very long. He spoke to me a couple days later through my son. One of my sons, while we were just riding down the road, um, out of the blue, just two days after my prayer, said eight words. and They were the eight most powerful words of my life. And I can't say that God spoke to me, but I can say that God spoke to me through my son. Riding down the road that day, my little six-year-old at the time just said, Daddy, when are you going to talk to me about Jesus? And I knew. My wife and my sons mean more to me than anything in the world. And to have my son reach out to me innocently and openly and just ask me to teach him about Jesus, that's the moment I knew that I believed in God and that Jesus was my Savior. God just refused to give up on me. He started working in my life through some friends of mine, one that bought me a Bible, one that just (laughs) would not stop talking to me about Jesus no matter what I said, no matter how many times I told him I wouldn't ever believe in Jesus. God just would not give up on me. He, He took somebody like me who can have good influence on so many different people because I teach, because I coach, because I'm a husband and a father because I'm around so many people that need to know about God. I, I, I think God decided He would use me. I'm so happy that I finally realized that after trying to run away from Him when He was pursuing me and pursuing me. And I now I'm so happy that I'm running with Him. That may be one of the most powerful stories we've ever shown on these screens before. And it just truly, truly proves a point that you are never too lost to be found. The God of the universe is just going to keep pursuing you. He's going to keep coming after you. He's just going to keep reminding you that he created you to love you. And if you're here today and you're saying, listen, I'm I'm the lost sheep in the story. I've got good news for you. The the Father's pursuing you. So stop running away from him. I love what Russell says. Start start running with him. Some of you may be thinking, I'm too lost or I'm too weary or I'm just so ashamed or the the guilt is too much. The shame is just too much to bear. I I love how Jesus describes how the shepherd deals with this, this lost sheep. When he finds the lost sheep, he doesn't beat the lost sheep over the head. He, he gently picks up the sheep, he lays it over his shoulders, and he carries it back rejoicing. And that's how the Father feels about you. He, he doesn't just want to rescue you. He will, he will carry you if you need it. Some of you may never have heard the term gospel before. The, the word gospel just simply means good news. 
And here's the full truth of the gospel. God created you and loves you deeply. He actually created you so that you you could receive his love and hang out with him forever. But something happened. Here's this God who had this amazing plan to pour his love out onto us, for us to receive his love, for, for him to be in fellowship with us and to hang out with him forever. And then all of a sudden, mankind rebelled against him by sinning against him. And that sin separated us from God. And the penalty for that sin is eternal punishment in hell and eternal separation from him. And here's the fact of the matter. There is absolutely nothing, nothing. There's no amount of work that you can do. There's no action that you can take to save yourself from this sin. There's no religion. There's no good works. There's no right family you can grow up in. There's no amount of wealth. There's no amount of education. There is certainly no amount of morality that can make this right. But God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to come to earth to make things right. To die on a cross, to take punishment for your sin. To be buried in a tomb, to to rise from the dead three days later so that the debt of our sin could be paid in full. So that forgiveness could be made available once and for all. And so that lost sheep could be found. And because of that, listen, as a result of nothing more, nothing more than God's grace, by your own faith, you can ask God to forgive you of your sin. And you can ask him to, to, Lord, come into my life. And you can say, Lord, I receive this free gift of salvation. And I ask you to be my personal savior. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13 says this, that if you will openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Do you hear that? Nothing more. It's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it is openly, by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. And then he says, Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. In other words, not, this is no longer just for Jewish people. The whole world has been now included in this plan. It says they have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. And then the phrase that pays, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're lost here today. If you find yourself lost here today. What do I do? What, what do you do? You, you cry out to the shepherd. You cry out to the shepherd. You believe in your heart that he has the power to rescue you from your sin and from an eternity of being lost forever. Listen, he is pursuing you with his love this morning. And it is never too late to be found. You are never too lost to be found by God. He is pursuing you with his love this morning. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. The Bible says, Jew or Gentile, the Lord gives salvation to whoever will call out to him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They will be rescued. So here's my challenge to you this morning, Westridge Church. He's pursuing you. If you're lost, it's not an accident that you're here today. If you are the lost sheep in this story, my challenge to you is to come, is, is come to him. Respond to him, cry out to him. Some of you are in this room today 
And you know without a shadow of a doubt you are saved. I mean, you, you remember a moment where you placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your personal Savior. And you, for whatever reason, at this moment, you've just walked away from Him. Your heart's apathetic. Your heart is cold. You're struggling right now. I mean, it's been a long time since you've truly felt the presence of God in your life. And it's not God's fault. It is your fault. And you realize that this morning. I mean, the Holy Spirit is just convicting you. And listen, I want you to know something. I know personally the guilt and the shame of what living in in sin can can do. I mean, it's overwhelming and it's draining. But I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit is still convicting believers as well and that God the Father never leaves us and he still pursues us to come back to him. But for those of you who are here today and you're lost, you are spiritually lost. You are dead in your sins. God the Father is pursuing you. He's left the 99 and he's coming after you this morning. It's not an accident you're here. I want us quietly, just real quietly, I'm gonna ask you not to leave unless you have an emergency. I want us quietly to stand to our feet. Here's my appeal to us this morning. I've left a blank page on how I'm gonna end this service. It may look completely different than the first service. I have no idea. I grew up Baptist. When we were in a Baptist church, uh, and I know that other denominations do the same thing, we used to have altar calls at every service. I mean, we were trained to to know how to bring people down the aisle. And that's not something you find in the Bible, to be really honest with you. A guy named Charles Finney created that over 100 years ago, and churches have copied it for years, and some have gone away from it, and that's fine. It doesn't really... You know what? You don't... You don't need it, and it's okay if you have it. But I remember the very first few months of when Westridge started at Vaughn Elementary School in 1997, there was a couple that came in the door, had been out of church, struggling in their marriage. I mean, really, really struggling. The dad had a, had a son from another marriage. Um, this couple was really at wit's end. Marriage was right on the brink of being just completely destroyed two little girls little babies and I did something that I just I just felt led to do I just thought I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a good old-fashioned altar call hadn't we hadn't done it since we started the church and I just felt led to do it and Bill Wittenbrook never met him before in my life stepped out walked down the aisle met me right in front of the steps and he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be his personal savior Saved his marriage, rescued probably his kids. And today, not only uh, is his wife one of our staff members, but he's one of our elders here at Westridge. 19 years ago, he's the reason, his family's the reason why God put Westridge Church in Dallas, Georgia, in Northwest Atlanta. But you may be sitting here today and you go, that sounds a lot like my story. Or maybe your story's completely different. It doesn't matter. You're lost. You're lost. But I want want you to know you have been created to receive the love of the Father. But sin has separated you, but God is pursuing you. Through his son Jesus and what Jesus has done for you on the cross and by rising from the dead, he's pursuing you and he's coming after you and it's no accident you're here today. So here's what I have a couple of appeals as we close. I'm gonna jump down from this step. I'm gonna be right down here. If you're lost, here's, I, I want you to come. I just want you to come. I want you to be bold enough to come. 
when you come down, I'm just going to have, I'm going to have you pray with, if you're a lady, I'm going to have you pray with a lady over here, over here, a guy, same thing. Students, come on. We do this at Rush Camp, so you're used to this. If you're far away from God right now, but you're a believer, I believe with all my heart, and I'm, I don't want this to get political. I don't want you walking out of this church this morning. Yeah, Brian, Pastor Brian talked about politics. That's not what this is about at all. But when you look in the Old Testament, when the nation of Israel walked away from God, God brought judgment against his own people. It, listen, God didn't bring judgment on the Israelites because of the Philistines, because of the lost people, because of the, the unrighteous. He always looked at the righteous. Could it be, could it be that God's looking at his church and saying, you know what? You've grown cold. You're apathetic. You're lukewarm. Your heart's drifted away from me. Not, not out there. I mean, we, we want to blame everything out there. No, no. He, he's, I, I believe God's looking at us and going, you know what? I want you back on your knees. I want you desperate for Jesus. I care more about your heart and your walk with me and my relationship than who's in office right now. I want your heart and I will do whatever it takes to make you come back to me, to make the church, my people, my bride, my flock, because he loves his sheep. He says, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to bring you, to put you on your knees, to understand that I want you to live your life desperate for Jesus. I want a fellowship with you. Could that be what's going on? You look at the history of the Bible, that's what God did. Listen, if you are here today and you are a believer and your heart is cold, your heart is lukewarm, I'm not throwing guilt and shame on you. I've been there myself. It's time to come back to Jesus. If your family's not where it needs to be this morning, Dad, you, you step out and you lead strong. I know it's tough. Maybe you haven't been leading. That's okay. God will meet you. God will meet you. Single mom, you're here today. This is a, you are welcome here. This is a church for you. You, you. you may be here today. Your husband's not here. You're praying. Your husband may be lost. I grew up in that home. Listen, you keep praying for your husband. You keep showing him a godly life. You keep letting God work, and you watch what God can do. I am firsthand. I've had a first row seat to watching that happen. So here's what I want. Out here, I'm going to jump down here. You come up. People are already coming. The, the, the Spirit's moving. Come on. Listen, if you're here today, you're lost, you get on your knee, you come down here. If you need Christ, you're a believer, but your heart is cold. You want to pray for our nation? You want to pray for our church? Come on, these steps are wide open right now. There's room for you, and we're going to keep this going. We're going to sing a song called Come to the Altar, believe it or not. All right, I'm jumping down here. Let's ask God to move in a powerful way in this auditorium right now, that his presence would be so strong that we can't help but move.